or are your weapons praise and thanksgiving? They say the people that follow the Lord don't fight their battles on their feet. They fight them on their knees. And they come to the one who they can call upon who will be with them forever, who will deliver them, who will rescue them, who will protect them, who will guard them, who will keep them in all their ways when they call upon the name of the Lord. How do you fight your battles? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you in humility and grace because of who you are and what you've done. And we come to you now to wage warfare against the enemy. We come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, calling upon you who was the only one to save. And we say today, not of our own strength, but to the enemy, because this is what the word of the Lord says, is that Satan, the Lord, rebukes you. We don't fight on our own, Jesus. We fight because you have already fought for us. We fight from a fixed fight. We fight knowing the victory is already won. We fight knowing the battle is already finished. And in the end, hallelujah, we win. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. I pray that you would open every ear, that you would open every heart. You would take the blinders off our eyes, that we might hear you, that we might see you, and in the midst of whatever we're going through, we would know that you are present among us. Thank you, Jesus. It's already done. I don't even need to preach. It's already done. Thank you, Jesus. You've already finished it. Thank you, Jesus. You've already fixed it. Thank you, Jesus. You've already healed. Thank you, Jesus. You've already delivered. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify you because you're the only one who is worthy of our praise. I thank you today that you have prepared in me a sanctuary and I pray that out of me would flow rivers of living water to quench the dry and thirstiness of your people and they might be refreshed, restored, renewed, revived, and healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Hmm. I don't even know how to start. <laughs> I don't even know how to start. Uh, this, this, this past week, um, I, I took off on Tuesday uh, because I just... I just, I just felt like there was a, uh, a pressing of the Lord to spend some extended time in this message this week. I actually had a psalm already prepared. I was going to preach Psalm 133. The message is written. It's prepared. It's finished. I was going to talk about unity in the body and how the dew from Hebron falls down upon the people like the anointing oil that falls down the beard of Aaron and touches the lives of his people, bringing him together to bring us in 
to unity. And I was going to talk about that from Psalm 133, um, but the Lord somewhere in there redirected my study. And he said, that's not what I want you to talk about. So I'm preaching the psalm that we already had, Psalm 23. <laughs> I, I, somewhere along the line, I, didn't, I wasn't in the service when we preached it. Uh, we, didn't, we weren't able to record it, so I wasn't able to listen to it. So I had no idea that we had already got this done. But here we go again because the Lord needs us to hear it. The most well-known psalm uh, probably that we have. I don't care if you're a believer in Jesus Christ or uh, you're not. You, you probably are familiar with Psalm 23. Um, it's interesting that on that Tuesday that I took off, um, I wanted to take off, like I said, just to spend some time in preparation. But I really, I wanted to spend some time with my boo uh, because our kids were away and it was just me and my wife. We had, we had the house. We had our life for like two days. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. I can't sleep on this opportunity. And, and I'm going to take some time off, and I'm just going to hang out with my baby. We went to a restaurant over in Essex. We were overlooking the Chesapeake Bay, just sitting, enjoying uh, some time together. We were talking about the seasons of life we had came through. We were talking about the seasons of life that we're in and about the seasons of life that God is bringing us into and, and while we were there, we saw a couple that looked like they might have been 80 years so, honey, was it 80 or something years old? Uh, they were sitting over by the water, holding hands, just looking at the water. They weren't saying anything. They had no conversation. They just were there, looking at the water. And in and and, and my, my holy imagination, I, I kind of imagined that they were like us, that they had been together since they were 16 years old. And now they are nearing the sunset of their life. And they don't need any words. They just need the presence. When you get to that place, we made it is all really you really need to say. And, 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 and in that moment, I, I, the, the word came to me, this word came to me uh, for the title of this message. And this idea about this psalm was hashtag goals. Hashtag goals. How many of you have any hashtag goals, any relationship goals? You've you seen somebody, you said, yeah, that's what I want. You, you, you see images on Instagram, somebody holding some car, and you're like, hashtag financial goals. You, you, you see somebody starting a business, and they like, hashtag business goals, or whatever it is. And, and so I thought, hashtag goals, with this subtitle, how to have a relationship with God that lasts. Because that's what I want. I want a relationship with God that lasts. I want to be sitting at the sunset of my life with the Lord and not need to say nothing and not need to do anything, but just be in his presence and that be okay. Um, when, when, when you read Psalm 23, you are struck with the reality that this psalm was written by someone who had an intimate relationship with the person to whom he's referring. He speaks with a tone that can be described or referred to as nothing short of love. He says in Psalm 23, and we're reading this in your hearing and from the English Standard Version, he says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. When, when I read that passage of scripture, all I can think of is hashtag gold. That's the type of relationship I want with God. I want that intimacy with God. I want that trust that David expressed with God. And, 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 and I know I want that, but if, if I would be honest, sometimes in seasons of my life, I don't feel that. I walk through seasons, and I don't feel the kind of love that David is describing here. But I want to. I don't always feel like staying, but I want to, which is why I really chose the song that we pairing this, this psalm series up with this message. Uh, it's a song by the group Foreigner uh, called I Want to Know What Love Is. How many of you remember that? And I'm talking about the Foreigner version. I don't want, want the Mariah Carey version. I don't want them other people versions. I want the Foreigner version. And, and, and there's a, there's a the part of uh, this song where the songwriter says, this mountain I must climb, it feels like the world is on my shoulders. But through the clouds, I see love shine. It keeps me warm as life grows colder. In my life, there's been heartache and pain, but I don't know if I can face it again. But I can't stop now. I've traveled so far to change this lonely life. I want to know what love is, but I want you to show me. It's, 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 it, this, this, this psalm, as you think about it and you think about this song, it echoes for me this idea of this intimate longing and fellowship and relationship that we ought to have towards God. David, you see, has walked a dangerous life. He's climbed the treacherous mountain, and he's able to do it because the God who is his shepherd has shown him through his experience what love is. He's shown him a love that lasts. I, 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 don't, I don't know about you, beloved, but, but I want to feel in every moment of my life that the Lord is my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I don't need anything. I, I want to feel like he, he, he's leading me uh, 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 to green pastures and, and he's leading me beside still waters that no matter what I'm facing, I have enough to eat, I have enough to drink, and I'm satisfied in where I am with him. I want my soul to consistently be restored as I spend my time with the Lord. That's what I'm longing for. I, I, I want to know that when I'm going through some dangerous times 
Is anybody with me? Are you here? That I'm going through some difficult, rocky patches where I don't know what right is, I don't know what left is, I can't see in front of me, I don't know what's behind me, that the Lord is leading me along the right path. That's what I want. I want to feel like whenever I am walking through a difficult season, that I don't need to be afraid. Because the Lord is right there with me. That when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil. That his rod and staff are protecting me, they're comforting me through the difficult challenges that I face. And I want to be able to look my enemy in the eye when God prepares a table before me in their presence. Constantly filling my cup to overflow, knowing that goodness and mercy are chasing me down and overtaking me as I dwell in his presence forever. Do I have anybody here that wants the same thing? I mean, that's, that's just what I want. That's just what I want, and I believe that's why as I go through a difficult season I'm currently in in my life, that the Lord just wanted to to, to, to reveal that to me and even to you. I, I'm, I'm preaching a message. Uh, everybody asks me this morning, like, are you ready? How you feel? You know, so on and so forth. And I'm like, I'm ready, but I'm not. Like, I, I'm, I'm preaching of something I'm living. And, 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 and maybe you've been through seasons like that when you're, you're currently living something you're trying to share with other people. I want you to know today that the Lord is with you. And in our time today, I want to talk about how to have a relationship with God that lasts. And if we're going to have a relationship with God that lasts like David, a relationship that can keep you when you don't want to be kept, a relationship that causes you to know God as your shepherd, not your pastor's shepherd, not your mama's shepherd, not big mama's shepherd. Come on, not, not your neighbor's shepherd. Not that Christian that you really idolize, shepherd. Your shepherd. Your shepherd. In order to do that, there's some things that we need to understand. There's some things that I believe we need to do. And, and for some of you, uh, I, I want to plant a seed. For others, I maybe want to water a seed. And, and, and for others, I want to exhort and encourage you to realize that God is currently in your dry season. So, so here's my points. I'm going to give them to you right now. To have a relationship with God that lasts, you need to trust the pace of the shepherd. You need to trust the protection of the shepherd. And lastly, you need to offer praise to the shepherd. We, we, don't, we don't know when David wrote this particular psalm. Um, however, it strikes me as a psalm written from the experiences of life circumstances. Uh, this doesn't strike me as a psalm that David wrote in the early stages of his life idealistically. When, when you think about um, all that David has gone through and you read through the other psalms of which he's written, it kind of coalesces all of which he's experienced in his life. This, this is something that, 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 that I'm realizing here. David writes this particular psalm um, from the perspective 
not of the shepherd or not of the one who's leading, but rather from the one who is being led. He doesn't write this psalm from the perspective of the shepherd king of which he is. He, he, he writes this song from the perspective of the one who is being shepherded. And shepherds, if you don't know, were commonly common in society. They were commonly common. What do I mean by that? Well, they were plentiful. There were plenty of them around, and they were considered to be part of the lowest caste of society. They were the lowest caste of society. Uh, shepherds, a shepherd was actually the first person in the Bible to be murdered. Did you realize that? In Genesis chapter 4, uh, it tells us that Eve had a child. She, called, she, she named him Cain, but then she had another one, and she named him Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a farmer. Cain decided that after Abel offered his offering that the Lord accepted, that he was going to kill his brother, and he acted like he didn't even matter. Shepherds were the first person to be killed in the Bible. Um, a shepherd could be a man or a woman. As a matter of fact, most shepherds were women because it was delegated or relegated to the lowest caste member of the household, the lowest caste member in society. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you remember uh, when Moses fled Egypt and went to Midian and he set himself down by a well, the priest Jethro of Midian had seven daughters that came to water the flocks of their father. And it was there that, that Moses fled away other shepherds who were trying to keep them from getting their water that turned into a love story all by itself. He found his baby, his wife. He, he ended up going back to the house, meeting the dad. Next thing you know, he, he married one of the daughters. David was a shepherd because he was the youngest and the smallest of his brothers. Uh, David was so insignificant that when the prophet Samuel got a word from the Lord that I'm going to Jesse's house to anoint one of your sons as king, Jesse brought all his sons out. And, and Samuel was like, it's, it's not that one. It's not that one. It's not that one. Look, I know God sent me here. Is there any other son you have in your household? And Jesse said, well, I mean, I mean, this got David out there with the sheep. He not nothing of value. He not significant. There's no way in the world that he's the one that God has anointed. However, God sees that which is lowly and considered the least to be the greatest. Jesus was the good shepherd, chief shepherd, and great shepherd. And so I, I want to just kind of share with you some verses from the scripture that kind of highlight how God looks at this idea of shepherd that he himself has actually embraced. Throughout the scriptures, God is considered the shepherd. The, the first one in Genesis 48, 15 through 16 is Jacob blessing his children after he's been re, re, restored or reconciled with his son who was lost and has grandchildren. He says, and he blessed Joseph and said, the God for whom, whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God, watch this, who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from evil, bless the boys and in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Jacob saw God 
as his shepherd. In Numbers 27, 16 through 17, Moses is anointing Aaron to oversee the household of Israel. And he says, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them, come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. This is what Jesus is referring to in the Gospels when he looked out upon the multitude and was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. This is one I love, Isaiah 40, uh, 10 to 11. Isaiah says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might in his arm, rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense is before him, and he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. God looks at his people as his sheep. He looks at them as a shepherd. And the Lord has always wanted to be our shepherd. He takes this idea of a lowly shepherd imagery and flips it on its head, causing that which abounds to be base causing that which is exalted to be brought low for us, causing that which is supreme and prestigious to be brought down low. Why? Because he doesn't stand afar off. Instead, the God who we can trust as our shepherd comes to us as a low one and takes on the form as a servant that instead he invests himself in caring for his sheep rather than being high and far off. God comes down to be with us. Yeah, we got a problem. Somebody say we got a problem. There's a problem that we have that's preventing us from having this relationship with God that lasts. And this problem is called trust. The Bible calls it faith. Trust or faith is the foundation of having a relationship with God that lasts but that's the problem in most situations. We're not trusting the shepherd. In many situations, we are trusting our own abilities. Last week, Kristen spoke about uh, this time where David, who was running and fleeing from Saul, he went to this cave uh, near what's called En Gedi. En Gedi is an oasis in the desert. And 100 yards one way, 100 yards another way, there's nothing but barrenness. But in this spot, in this spot, there seems to be an oasis. There's a spring. And, and in this spring, it's called the mountain that goats come to and refresh. And David, David found restoration. He found refreshing there at this mountain, uh, at this fountain when he was on the run. And, and, but see, I think though, instead of trusting God, even when it's hard, at times, we decide to trust our own strength. We decide to trust our history. We decide to trust, trust the methods that we've used before in difficult situations to overcome the season that we're in. This lack of trust keeps us from having a relationship with God that lasts. And Jeremiah prophesies it this way. He says, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. That's the first thing we've done. 
We, we abandon the source of our strength, the source of our hope, the source of our knowledge, the source of, 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 our, of, our, of our grace and our ability, and, and we abandon the fountain of living water. And watch this. We've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. A cracked cistern is a well that shepherds would sometimes dig or people would dig in order to find water away from a spring-like river source. And God says there that when we move away from the spring of living water and dig for ourselves wells of our own making, they are cracked and can't hold no water. So the very water we're trying to pull up for ourselves is slipping through our hands. The very water that we try to feed and pour into others is slipping through our hands because we have dug for our own self, our own cisterns of our own ability, rather than going back to the well that is our spring of life. I think I've discovered the reason, beloved, why we don't trust. I think I've discovered the reason. I think that sometimes, maybe this is just me, but, but, but I think that sometimes we feel like God has betrayed us. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I'm convinced that sometimes uh, some of us have lost a business, a marriage, a family member, somebody's died. <clears throat> We've experienced some sort of pain in our life. And we blame God for allowing us to go through it. We've been betrayed. We felt like he betrayed us. He didn't keep his word. Some of us have had an expectation for life what looked like after college. We, we, we've had an expectation of, of trying to find our purpose, and maybe we've struggled, and we've identified this particular season of our life as a betrayal. And maybe you're here today, and you trusted God's voice, at least you thought what was his voice, and you experienced a great amount of pain or lack of, uh, of, of things that you wanted, and instead of having hashtag goals, you would say hashtag betrayal. I prayed about this, God. I prayed that they would be okay. I prayed that they would be healed, and they weren't. I prayed that they would still be around, and they're gone. I prayed that I would get that job, and it didn't come. Everything seemed like it fell through. I prayed like you would lead me towards the path that I was supposed to be on, but it seems like everywhere I turn, I still feel confused. God, I feel betrayed. You're the one that said if I pray and I ask anything in your name, you would give it to me. You said that I would be fruitful and multiply, but I still ain't had that child. You said that those things were going to happen in my life, and I feel betrayed. This is a hard message. This is, this is a hard message because it's for people who are going through hard things. It's when we are in difficult seasons of our life that we need to know the voice of the shepherd. In, in order to get to a place of intimacy in this relationship with God that lasts, we have to get back to the place, beloved, of trust. We, we got we to get back to that place of trust and, and according to the Intimacy Pyramid by Dan Drake uh, and Janice Codhill, uh, that's based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 
one of the basic things we need when we felt betrayed or feel betrayed, we first need to identify what the truth is in the situation. We need to get truth. We need a disclosure of truth. And when we get, once we get truth, we can feel safe again. And when we feel safe, then we'll trust. Our trust then opens the doorway to being vulnerable, and vulnerability opens the doorway into intimacy. And I'm going to say that again. When, when we have felt betrayed, in order to get back to the place of trust, the first thing that we need is truth. Truth makes us feel safe. And that safety leads us to trust others, which opens up vulnerability and allows us to experience intimacy with the one to whom we're trusting. Our challenge with this is that today we live, beloved, in a postmodern culture. Postmodern culture was partly born out of the dissatisfaction of the structures and the ideologies of the past. Uh, 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 they, 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 it's based on those types of things. Sociologists tell us uh, that postmodern culture is characterized by the valuing of activities, events, and perspectives that emphasize the particular over the global or the fragmented over the whole. In, in other words, as it relates to truth, it's no longer about absolute truth. I got my truth, and you got your truth. And, 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 and if my truth and your truth don't align, if we don't agree, then there is no umpire to identify what's actually true, and all we can do is agree to disagree, and that doesn't bring us closer to trust. That's what happens in the postmodern culture. In, in the postmodern culture, because it's individualistic, I get to redefine activities, events, and perspectives that neither require nor warrant a redefinition. And in many ways, because of our betrayal, we have redefined God to be a God of our own truth rather than a God that is based on his definition of himself. And in many ways, we felt betrayed. That's what broke the trust. That's what broke the trust. We felt like you let me down, God. I love them, God. But you let me down. So what do we do? What do we do? We, we, we return, we have to return to the absolute truth of God's voice through his word that leads us in order to find safety in who and what that which never changes. It's God's word. It's his truth of his word that we have to embrace. And when we embrace the truth of his word, we find safety, safety in the experience. And that safety that we feel with God will lead us to faith and to trust. But that's hard work, beloved. That's hard work but it's the work that's required, which is why in order to have a relationship with God that lasts, we have to trust the shepherd because here's my first point. When you trust the shepherd or the pace of the shepherd, you'll find rest and restoration. Beloved, the Jewish shepherds, the Jewish people uh, 
our history have a history that is born out of the exodus of Egypt. The exodus to Egypt. And the interesting thing about the exodus to Egypt is they had to walk from this land that was called Goshen. Goshen was a plentiful land. There was grass for days. There was abundance. There was, you remember the Jewish people talking about when they got in the wilderness, man, we got to go back, man. They had leeks there. They had garlic. They had onions. They had everything we was needing in the garden. It was growing everywhere. I can't grow nothing out here in this desert. It ain't nothing out here. Ain't no water out here. Ain't no grass out here. There's nothing. And, and, and they left Goshen and they went to a dry and barren desert land. It's hard to find shade in the desert. But God says, I'll be your shade at your right hand. <laughs> it's, it's hard to find water in the desert. But God said, I'm going to lead you to quiet streams. It's hard to find comfort in the desert. But the Lord says, I will leave, be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And, and I want to bring up an image for you as we think about this passage that where David says he leads me beside green pastures. Uh, maybe you see it on the screen. Uh, it, it, there's this, this sense of greenness that as we lie down, that there's plenty to have. And that's what we're looking for from God. We're looking for an experience that is plentiful and we can rest there and not have to move. But God doesn't call us to sit and rest. He calls us to walk with him on the way, to walk towards the promise, not to sit and stagnate and to stay and wait right there. He wants us to rest. So I want to show you another image of what it actually looks like in the desert that David is talking about. The second image that maybe you'll see on the screen, it looked like a nothing but rocks. Maybe you can't see from where you are. That's, that, that's, that's not brown grass. That's dirt. That's not brown grass. That's dirt. Those are the right paths that the shepherd is leading the sheep on. Those are the green pastures that the shepherd is talking about. It's not enough for you to sit and stay there. You're going to get what you need for the day, and you got to keep going. You're going to get your daily bread. You're going to get your manna from the day that you can't store up for the week. You, you can't put this in your, 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 little, your little lunch bag and say, I'm going to save this for leftovers when I need it. You need to eat it now. You need to eat it right now because it's going to be gone when you come back. And I want to go to the next image. Maybe you see it. In, 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 in the desert, in the desert, it only rains like maybe once or twice. It only rain, rains like once or twice. And, and, and when it rains that one time or twice, that second time a year, it, it creates this humidity in the air. We got Baltimore humidity. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all know about humidity, right? We got that Baltimore humidity. This humidity is a little bit different. This humidity is even denser. So much so that there's a dew that rests on the ground in the morning. You remember when Gideon talked about, hey, Lord, I'm just going to put this fleece out. And, and, and if it's actually you, let the fleece be wet from the dew that's there. There's this little bit of dew that condensates around the rocks. And what happens as the dew condensates, it begins to generate 
what could be considered grass or weeds, little pricklings that prick out just like the stuff that pick out in the cement on the sidewalk that you walk on. It ain't enough for you to, 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 to lay down and get plush in, but it's enough for you to have for the day. And this is what David is referring to when he says, God will lead me to green pastures. And this is why you need to trust the pace of the shepherd. Because if you sit down and rest in your desert season, you will stay thirsty, you will be dry, you will be weary, because you have stopped moving at the pace that the shepherd is leading you on. Somebody needs to hear that today, that you need to keep moving along the road. You need to keep moving when God is calling you through his voice to go from one place to the next. God essentially doesn't always give you everything that you need so you don't need him no more. You, you might have abundance of wealth, but there's another area where you're lacking. You, you might have a great family and everything is good, but then you're struggling to get by. You might have an abundant family and you're not struggling to get by, but then now you're sick and you got a sickness. You, you always are going through something that God is saying, no, 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 baby, you got to trust my pace. Keep walking with me. Keep going with me. I'm going to lead you to the next pasture. I'm going to lead you to the next shade. I'm going to lead you to the next stream. And if you just trust my voice, I'll take you there. And I want to walk with God like that. I want to walk with God when I'm in seasons and I don't know when it's coming next. I don't know when there's hope. I don't know when there's help. But I know that if I just keep walking with God, he's going to lead me to my next meal. He's going to lead me to my next healing. He's going to lead me to my next deliverance. He's going to lead me to the next portion of joy. Come on, somebody. The second thing we have to do is we have to trust the protection of the shepherd. We have to trust the protection of the shepherd because when we trust the protection of the shepherd, he will give us carriage and comfort. David said that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because, God, you're with me. It's your rod and your staff that comforts me. Got to remember these people were a people coming from the Exodus. They knew something else about a rod and staff. They knew about Pharaoh's rod and staff. They knew that Pharaoh's rod whipped them. And his round staff that was supposed to protect them and keep them from falling off the rocky and, 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 and barren places was really there just to choke them and pull them back so they couldn't leave. That's the type of rod and staff that the children of Israel understood. But David is saying, no, our shepherd, our shepherd, his rod is there to protect us. His rod staves off the enemy. It keeps us in the pe people who are trying to hurt me when I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death. And it causes me to not be afraid because I know God is with me. His hook pulls me back in when I'm wandering too far. Not so I didn't leave, but so I can stay near the source of my river, who I can stay near the source of the one who is my life. And, and when we trust 
the protection of the shepherd, we find courage when we're in seasons when things are seeking to destroy us, and we find comfort when we are at a place when we have no rest. I don't, I don't know if you realize sheep are what you call prey animals. They are, they are the most defenseless animals that you could ever, ever have. I mean, their defense is, bah, bah, help. And, and that's what we sound like, God, bah, bah, right, when we're going through a season. That's just what we sound like. We let out our bad. Because that's all we can really do in most situations. Do you know that you are completely helpless in most situations in life? I don't know if you realize that. But every moment of life that we have, we need to be trusting in the one who's the shepherd. We need to be trusting in the one who protects us. We need to trust in the one who can actually deliver us and give us courage when there's a wolf that's right there. When sheep see a wolf and they hear the call of the shepherd, they run to the shepherd because they know the shepherd got a staff. They know the shepherd got a sling and some stones. And, and the shepherd is going to be the one that takes down the giants in their life. We need to run back to the shepherd who gives us courage and comfort. But, but lastly, lastly, and I'm almost done. That, that if we're going to have a relationship with God that lasts, we, we, we need to do something um, that doesn't come natural to us in a difficult season. We need to do something that doesn't just happen instantly. We, we need to offer what the Bible calls, what the psalmist calls, a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. And when you offer praise to the shepherd, he'll do two things, and I'm almost done. He'll set you apart, and he'll seal you forever. He'll set you apart, and he'll seal you forever. David says it this way at the end of our psalm. He, 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 he says uh, that, that after he's walked through valleys of shadow of death, uh, in, 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 his, in, in, in his cup, or, or that, that God restores him. He's walked through the valley. He doesn't have a reason to be afraid. He, he's here now, and he says that my God will prepare a table for me with my enemy watching. He, he's going to sit me down while my enemy looks at me and pour in my cup something that never goes out. One of the things that was true of society in the Jewish culture, and in that, actually not even the Jewish culture, it's really in that region of the world, it didn't matter who the person was, if they were your enemy or if they were your friend. If they came to your house, you received them as they were part of your household. And you would sit down and they would feed you, and if you had something in your cup that was empty, they wouldn't stop pouring stuff back in it. The only time they'd stop pouring something in your cup is if you left something there. That was the way that you told them that you'd had your full. As I haven't drank all that's in my cup. But if I drink everything that's in my cup, 
I'm going to keep pouring your cup on. And, and, and this is what David is saying. He's saying, in times of my life, when I've been in trouble, I've had people who weren't even my friends, people who weren't even on my team that somehow kept pouring something in my cup because I kept following the voice of the shepherd. And, and, and I stayed close to the shepherd. And see, the shepherd did something. He set me apart by putting oil on my head, making sure that I was free from any disease and that even if I had some sort of disease, some wound, some ointment, he would rub oil on it so that it would be cured. He would set me apart. He would make me special in some way, even in the face of my enemies. But then watch this. He said, because God has set me apart, because I recognize him, because I praise him, he is going to seal me forever. He'll seal me forever. He'll, he'll keep me close to him. And I'm going to get to dwell now in the house of the Lord forever. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I, I just want to end with this story. I, I heard this story once um, by this individual named Richard Burton. Maybe you've heard this story before. Uh, during the 50s and 60s, Richard Burton was a, uh, an actor uh, uh, for, for different types of theater plays, and he was most known for his role in Hamlet, Shakespeare's play. He had a melodious voice. Uh, he, he was a person that people love to listen to. And I don't know how true this story is. There's different stories of how this story was told, but this is the one that I like. And, and, and one time, a friend of his, a pastor, uh, somebody who had meant so, so much in his life, was having his 50th, 50th anniversary of pastoring the church. And so the committee said, you know what, we're going to get Richard to come and read Psalm 23 because that's the pastor's favorite song. So Richard said, yeah, I, I'll read Psalm 23, but I'll only read Psalm 23 if the pastor reads it after me. He said, okay, we can do that. We can, we can do that. You can, we, you can read Psalm 23. You can recite it, and he'll come and read it after. So Richard gets up to the podium, and with his melodious voice, he begins to recite this beautiful psalm to which we know. And at the end, people stand up. They're clapping. They're cheering, they're lifting their hands, they're raising their hands. And then this pastor limps up the stage. He walks to the podium. And with tears in his eyes, he begins to quote the psalm of his life. And at the end of the reading of the psalm, there weren't any claps. There weren't any cheers. There were just tears and sobs and weeps as people thought about how God has been their shepherd. And, and they asked Richard after it was over, Richard, why, why do you think there was such a difference in your reading of the psalm and his quoting of the psalm? And they said that Richard said these words. You see, I know Psalm 23, but he knows the shepherd. And, and I want to have a life where I just don't know God's words. I want to know the one who's given them. 
I want to know the giver of the words. I don't want just the gift. I want the giver of the gift. I don't just want the blessing. I want the blesser who is blessing. I don't just want the money. I don't just want the fame. I don't just want the blessing and God doing things in my life so that he provides for my needs and provides for my family. I want the one who no matter what season I'm in is with me. Is with me. And I believe that there is somebody here today that wants that too. That you want to know the shepherd and not just the song. You want to know the giver and not just have the gift. And so what I want to do is I want whatever your eye closed. I want to say a prayer and I want you to recite that prayer after me. And if this is the prayer of your heart, you just can recite this prayer. And you would say, Father, in the name of Jesus, you can say it in your heart. Lord, I just thank you that in the midst of my difficult season, when I didn't know which way to go, when I felt like I was stumbling at every step, that you were the one who showed me the right path, that you were the one that protected me when enemies were all around me, when it seemed like people were discrediting my name, when it seemed like people were saying things about me that wasn't true, when it seemed like people were, were trying to sabotage me, your rod and your staff, they comforted me. I thank you that I can trust your word. I thank you that you make me feel safe. And because your word says that if anyone is weary, if anyone is weak, you can come to me and I will give you rest. And so, God, we come to you today. We come to your son, Jesus, and we confess that he is the son of the living God. And we ask you to have him live and raise and bear his life in our bodies that you would forgive our sin, that you would hear our land, and that you would comfort us in one of our most difficult seasons. God, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you are the only one I can run to and find safety. And I'm no longer trusting on what I think is true. I'm trusting what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.